Welcome to The Swifterhood, a podcast all about Taylor Swift's lyrical genius. Whether you've known from her debut album that she's had a place in this world or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we are here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song lyric by lyric. All right, give it a test. Testing, one, two, three. Say something interesting. Um, my favorite color is teal. You think that's interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we're already recording. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Welcome to MoneyCast, where we ask the question, are you rich or just a bitch? What? Where are these (laughs) questions coming from? Uh, Do you not like this bit anymore? I can keep going with them. I didn't even know it was a bit. Oh, it started last time. <laughs> I mean, I know. With fart cast. I understand that, but I, I I, was mistaken when I maybe assumed it was not a bit, but. Oh, this Apple Watch. Hold on. Don't want it going off like it did last time. I mean, you know you can set your settings permanently so it never beeps and it just vibrates, right? I just got this Apple Watch, Morgan. Okay. Anyway. You're a pro. I do like, though, that we get to see each other's workouts. It's kind of like I feel connected to you during the day. I'm like, oh. I don't like that it says your email address and it's like your maiden name. So at first I was like, who the hell is requesting me? <laughs> Did you not know my maiden name? <laughs> I, I figured it out like, very quickly. What a weird last name. But I was like, who is requesting to follow my my exercises? <laughs> like, this is very, this has moved to a new uh, creepy stalker level of like those uh, telemarketers that like use your area code to get you to pick up. Now they're like finding out how to work out with me. That's At least that's me. what I thought. I'm actually a Nigerian prince and I need to know your social security <laughs> number. Can you give it to me? Yeah. Um, anyway, we ha- we're really into these tangents, aren't we? If you didn't know, Morgan's a badass. <laughs> she does CrossFit. And so I'll get a notification like during the day that's like, Morgan just burned 800 calories. <laughs> like, oh my God, way to go. And she just revealed to me how much she can lift. Can I say that on the air? I mean, no, because there's probably people out there that can, are going to be like, pop. <laughs> that's hilarious. I can lift the bar. I've told you that. That's like 45 pounds. It's, it's insane what you can do. You should be proud. Moving Here we on. Go. I'm just complimenting you again. I don't do well with them. <laughs> so today's episode of The Swifterhood, where I'm Aaron. And I'm Morgan. Is about the two songs, The Best Day and Change, which you would have seen if you read the <laughs> episode title. <laughs> well, spunky. Uh, and we are going to start off with our fearless feature, which is about activism and grassroots politics, because we see a theme with the song Change. So, Morgan, did you want to talk about grassroots politics? Sure. So, first of all, I'd say that activism is is just a big word for getting involved in your community. You can be an activist and do as little as like walking down the street and picking up trash because you're bettering your community for not having trash on the side of the road. As far as um, registering people to vote, etc. Like this is these are all examples of activism. But in particular, I learned about grassroots politics and specifically grassroots organizing and activism when I worked on the Obama campaign in 2012 I mean it was his it's how like it his campaign is how politics are shaped these days is just getting out and being in your community getting to know 
uh, fellow community members, your neighbors, because you can make such a difference if you, if people know who you are, what you believe in, but also know like what, you know, they can understand why you believe what you believe in if they actually know who you are and who their neighbors are. So it's an awesome way to get involved to make a change is to just be active in your community and do do work on things that matter to you. So if you were explaining grassroots politics, would you say that was largely defined by the Obama campaign? Like you said, it was sort of... Yeah, 2008 was the first time that, I mean, that's how President Obama won in 2008 was his grassroots campaign because people, for the first time throughout campaigning, actually got out and knocked on doors and talked to their neighbors. And that increased voter turnout and increased people's awareness of issues that were going on in this world and that they affected them. And being able to talk to someone that wasn't a politician, but who was your neighbor that believed in these things and could and could speak to you as, as your neighbor made such a huge difference in the 2008 and 2012 campaign. And uh, Stacey Abrams organizing for Georgia. Right. She's the, you know, she's the new wave. She latched onto that grassroots campaigning and is now doing all that in Georgia. And look at how far it's come, you know, right. there's two Democrats in this, in the Senate right now, which is unheard of. For and Georgia. I would say too, that that's part of what made campaigning hard this past year was the fact that knocking on doors was not a right. reality during COVID. But back to you working on the Obama campaign. It is nice to note that that is your love story with your husband. Yes, it is. That's how we met. He is, as you all may remember Welsh and came here and you met working on the campaign. He did. Yeah, we did. Because um, like I said, it was such a monumental campaign move that in 2012, he came over here as he was employed in the Labor Party and he took eight weeks off and asked if he could just come over here to see how we ran our ground campaign. And he ended up being placed in our hometown. And that's how we met. That's really cool. How I started getting involved in politics, which if you all don't know, which I assume you don't, that's actually how Morgan and I know each other. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> we work together for free, <laughs> just in, in our own uh, volunteer time. But basically, 2016 happened, and I was shocked and horrified by a lot of things I was seeing and hearing, and I started just sort of going to protests. And then in 2017, well, in 2016, I applied to, I applied for that job in France. I was kind of like, ugh, I've always wanted to go live there, and now seems like a good time. <laughs> so I left, and then when I came back, yeah, in 2018, um, and I got my job here, I made my New Year's resolution just to be more involved. And my friend and neighbor that we talk about often, Daniel, was going to local party meetings, and he was like, why don't you just come? And I will say, it's not super accessible, because there's mm. a lot of complicated stuff in the jargon, and it's kind of hard to understand. But if you just start going to something, then you learn about it along the way. And another thing you can do if you don't want to be directly involved in a political organization is just to look up causes you care about and find groups in your community, because I guarantee there are some. So if you really care about uh, unhoused people and how can you help with that, then you can look up groups for that or domestic violence. You could look up shelters or nonprofits that work with that or getting women more involved in politics there's a group for that so basically anything that you care about and your way to care if you don't have the time if 
usually meetings are like once a month for that type of group. But if you don't have the time, then you can also just donate a little bit of money to the groups that you care about. And I'd say that's a good way to support them, too. For sure. So voter suppression is another topic. And that is a thing that has not gone away when we talk about racism and how it regenerates it gets smarter if you guys haven't you should watch the documentary 13th it does a really good job of tracking racism as it's evolved and for voter suppression right now there's there was i can't even remember what that was that there was a law that was passed that they didn't renew recently within the last couple years that helped with a lot of the voter suppression voter rights act thank you morgan And since they didn't renew it, there have been a lot of laws coming out. Surprise, surprise. Well, most recently, the Supreme Court just um, uh, ruled in favor of a law out of Arizona that allows them to um, uh, limit the hours that you can submit votes. And if you accidentally submit your vote at the wrong precinct, it will not be counted. And with the Supreme Court ruling that way, it looks like we're in a fight for an uphill battle. That's all that... Trump and his followers want to do is try to restrict the Democratic votes because of that's how he lost in 2020 or 2009. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, we're in a time loop. Woo. Yeah, because and so now Stacey th- Abrams yeah. and other a lot of black women, honestly, who do the work mm-hmm. and got out there and got more votes. And so to ha- to restrict those people from voting, their states are enacting laws that are claiming under the you know umbrella of voter safety and making sure that n- every single vote cast is legal and there's no fraud in voting. That all stems from um, the 2020 election. And that's why states are passing these laws that are restricting people from voting. And so it's under the guise of making sure elections are less fraudulent, but there's no proof that any fraud and exists. those things are safe. Like, for example, the type of thing they might be talking about is like where you drop off your ballot. But if you do that, you'll notice at your precinct or your voting location that there are people who have to sit out there at the table and monitor the box as they get dropped off. So it's not just like a I mean, there's there's protections that are put in place for that type of thing. So there's there's not fraud happening there. It's just more no. people voting um, because a lot of people can't vote. At, during those times, another example would be the busing. Yep. Oh, what is that? Oh, I can't think of that organization that we're working with recently for the Sunday voting. Can you the think Voters of, League? Uh, it's not Voters League, but they might have been helping with it. Ah, I can't think of it. Um, but it's basically to, after church, pick people up in buses and allow them to vote on Sundays. So they could do early voting, whereas usually it's within a certain time frame that you're allowed to like voting closes within a certain amount before the election. So it would be extended a little bit. Early voting would be extended so that on Sundays they can pick people up who might not have transportation and who have to work on Monday, perhaps all day so that they can get to the polls. Souls for the polls. Souls to the polls. I thought of it. We got there. (laughs) But that's an example of what voter suppression looks like as far as just making it accessible for the time and people getting there. So if you want to help out, um, the NAACP has a legal defense fund that you can donate to. And a lot of their work right now is going towards voter suppression and, um, and making towards sure eliminating, it. eliminating <laughs> voter suppression. So we clear. will link that in the description. Moving on to song number one, the best day. The best song. 
So Swift wrote The Best Day about her mother, Andrea Swift, if you didn't already deduce it, and the good effects her mother had on her growing up. In an interview with Taste of Country, see how I've got this cited this time? Thank you. Better notes. (laughs) She talked about how special her mom is to her. She would just take me on these adventures and we would drive around and go to towns we'd never seen before. Those adventures and those days of just running around, running away from my problems. You're not supposed to run away from your problems, but when you're 13 and your friends won't talk to you and they move when you sit down at the lunch table and your mom lets you run from those problems i think it's a good thing my mom was my escape in a lot of ways swift also said to cmt news that my mom and i are closer than ever out in the big world i've learned to appreciate my mom i realize how smart she is i know my mom knows more than i do our arguments become discussions we are together on the bus or at home all the time and it works for us swift told aol music i started writing AOL. This is a long time ago. I started writing it in the summertime of 2007, and I decided I wasn't going to play it for my mom until Christmas. So I finished the song secretly and recorded it completely without her knowing. I synced it up with all these home videos of me when I was little with her, and I made this music video for it. On Christmas Eve, I put it on the DVD player and played it for her. She didn't know that it was me singing until about halfway through the song, at which point she burst out crying. It's probably one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. My mom and I have been best friends since I was born, so I'm really glad that I got that down on CD. And the liner note is pretty obviously it's it's God bless Andrea Swift, which is so funny because we were watching the music video and I said that yeah. that I was like, oh, that is the liner note. But we also had mentioned this in trivia when you asked me what was the song, or I asked you what was the song that she wrote for a present to her mom. Yeah, Morgan, what's your original connection to the song? Um, I I mean I hate to be a broken record, but I feel like I. <laughs> I didn't really appreciate this or really give this song much of a listen until much later, like probably earlier this year. So I don't really have an original connection to the song. For me, a lot of my favorite songs from Taylor are the songs about childhood. Yeah, you've said that before. I (laughs) (laughs) said it before. (laughs) But I can see how for people who, if you have a strained relationship with your parents, these songs would be the harder one. So... For me, this is when I did my song ranking, it originally came out to the third. And like I said, in that one episode, if I were changing it, I would flip it with Innocent to make Innocent number three and this one be number four. So I've always loved this song so, so much. And I, I mean, my relationship with my mom is also not (laughs) perfect. I always loved Gilmore Girls for that aspect too, you know, like seeing that you could be best friends with your mom. And my mom and I are close, but we disagree about politics. And so that there's certain things that are hard to talk about, but we're we're still close enough to where I feel like I can relate to this song. But I also just think it's so pure and beautiful. I agree. It's a very beautiful song. So let's dive in. I'm five years old. It's getting cold. I've got my big coat on. I hear you laugh and look up smiling at you. I run and run past the pumpkin patch and the tractor rides. Look now. The sky is gold. I hug your legs and fall asleep on the way home. So right off the bat, we start with she's five. So, you know, there's different time frames in the different verses. So it's starting with early childhood. And it's just an image of a memory when you're a little kid. That's my favorite lyric. I noted I have different favorite parts of the song, like as far as like what's my favorite part to sing or whatever. But look now, the sky is gold is my favorite 
line because it's just such a perfect image of you can hear her mom saying that to her and like pointing up. Yeah. And when I was a nanny for sweet little girl for three years, it's like such a huge part of my life. You know, be like, hey, look over there. There's a squirrel. You know, everything is just learning and discovery and play with little kids as they're finding the world. And I do have to say my misheard lyric was. I've got my big coat on. I used to think it was, I've got my pink coat on because I had a pink coat. Like it was terrible. I really wanted a starter jacket when I was like in third grade. Does, if anyone remembers what a starter jacket was, it was like those really cool sports jackets that had like sports teams on them that like were half zip and they had like a big, I bet you Gabe would know what a starter jacket is. Anyways, I really wanted one of those, but my mom was told me that it was too boyish. So she bought me this like pink Columbia jacket. I know. Talk about gendering. This pink, pink Columbia jacket that had that elastic around the waist. So it had that little like skirt. I was like, you couldn't get further from a starter jacket <laughs> than this jacket. Yeah. And that when I always, when I first heard this, I thought it was, I've got my pink coat on because I just have terrible memories of that pink coat. That's hilarious. I had so many windbreakers um, as I just showed you that picture of me yeah. when I was three in like, like 80s pink and purple windbreaker with teased bangs. My mom was really into the windbreaker thing, (laughs) but I also wore a lot of hand-me-downs from my brother. He's four years older than me, so I wore boy clothes sometimes because it was just... Well, I want... Did he have a starter jacket? Probably not if you can't remember what it is. I don't even... Yeah, I can't even recall what that is. I'm going to look it up and show you a picture. Okay. But uh, also, my mom made our clothes when we were little until we were probably like five or something. And then at a certain point, it became cheaper just to buy clothes than to make them. But I definitely had a lot of giant frilly dresses that look like they're from the 80s because my mom is kind of stuck in the 80s her hair now is even quite large you know the higher the hair the closer to jesus (laughs) (laughs) but um she she looks great she's i mean it's not like atrocious there's one picture of my parents in the 80s uh before they had kids where (laughs) my mom's almost the same height as my dad because her hair is teased up and curled so big Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had jackets like that. Yeah. I had my brothers. This one is going for this Charlotte Hornets one is go- is Ta- for- Are you talking into the mic? No, god. You were always <laughs> on me about that. $249. <gasps> Seriously? Yeah, cuz they're all like I bet I don't on have eBay. any anymore. Yeah, I bet we've just donated them and didn't know. Anyway, I don't know why all the trees change in the fall. But I know you're not scared of anything at all. Don't know if Snow White's house is near or far away, but I know I had the best day with you today. And it's beautiful, the imagery of bringing in like the, and you know, she always talks about fairy tales. And so here we see the fairy tale as what she was learning as a little kid and not really knowing if that's real or not. The blurred line between fantasy and reality as well as the imagery of fall, you know, she always loves fall. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of what makes it beautiful, too. Like the pumpkin patch and the tractor rides. Like, Yeah, I mean, her memories are, are very similar to memories that a lot of people could conjure up. So you're saying they're basic? No, I'm just saying she does a good job at making, even though these are specific memories to her, making them relatable so that everyone who hears the song while they're listening to a song from Taylor to Andrea, it could also be a song from you to your mother. Right. Which I could say, or one could say, is what people really love about Taylor is 
her yeah, ability how she can relate. Yeah. Even stuff that's like so obviously specific to her life, you can still pick apart because of the imagery and and tie your own memories to that imagery. But she makes it more poignant and perfectly worded. I'm 13 now and don't know how my friends could be so mean. I come home crying and you hold me tight and grab the keys. And we drive and drive until we find found a town far enough away and we talk and window shop till I've forgotten all their names. I, I don't think I put it in those notes at the beginning, but there was one quote where she said several specific times that her mom drove her to this mall that was like 45 minutes away when she was upset after school and was like, hey, we don't need to do homework or do any like, like let's just go to the mall and go shop. And she would look at opal jewelry. Oh, and they never bought any. But that's why she loves opals. Interesting. Did not know that. Did you have times like this? Because I know I definitely did. Middle school is the worst. It It is the worst. And I, I have vivid memories of being like really upset about it. But I never talked to my mom about it. I was always very like closed off about what was going on. Really? With yeah. your feelings and stuff? Yeah, I would just kind of swallow it and get on with it. This may shock you, but I've never been good at hiding my feelings. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> I mean, I'm not very good. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, but I think in middle school specifically, it's I, I felt like my mom would just be like, get over it. Yeah. I know there were things that I would talk to her about, which were people being mean. Like at one point, my friend and I had this notebook. We would pass notes back and forth in. And this girl started a rumor that it was a burn book. And so then all of our friends hated us and stopped talking to us and wouldn't sit with us. And that's like exactly like this. But on it, like I did talk to my mom about it. But honestly, my dad was the one who would do the type of stuff where he was like, let's just go somewhere. So I remember t being able to talk to him about stuff that she didn't understand in the sense that like I would be like, no one thinks I'm cool because I don't have um, Nike shocks or I don't have Abercrombie. And then like, although they didn't have a ton of money to be able to buy those things, my dad would be like, okay, let's go get you one Abercrombie shirt, you know, mm -hmm. just so that I could wear that on rotation just to because it's brutal. It is really to brutal. Quote Olivia, <laughs> it's brutal out there. Middle school is rough real rough especially for for uh young girls yeah and so this is just such a nice memory of her mom helping her cope i don't are you ready to go back into the yeah chorus yeah. number two i don't know who i'm going to talk to now at school but i know i'm laughing on the car ride home with you don't know how long it's going to take to feel okay but i know i had the best day with you today so her choruses kind of change to go along with the verses that change. Mm -hmm. And then the next one, I have an excellent father. His strength is making me stronger. God smiles on my little brother inside and out. He's better than I am. I grew up in a pretty house and I had space to run and I had the best days with you. I noted that as just like that whole bridge I love. And I don't know if it's my favorite like lyric as far as just what it says but just the entirety of that bridge i love it so much and i would always think about how for me it was an older brother and he obviously struggled but you still love your family yeah for sure and the part about the father like i just love it so much verse three there is a video i found from back when i was three you set up a paint set in the kitchen and you're talking to me it's the age of princesses and pirate ships and the seven dwarfs and daddy's smart and you're the prettiest lady in the whole wide world. It's just so tender. It's very sweet. 
Do you love it? I do. I really love it. I love the like fantasy element of it. Well, like where she's bringing in the. Well, and also just like, I mean, like I said, it it is kind of fantasy for me because I. Yeah, it's a dreamscape. Yeah, like it's not. I've never had those specific feelings. So it's hard for me to like. I'm in awe of it from afar. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. But I do love the last chorus. So she's grown up throughout this time. We went through the different ages. And then at the end, she does that thing that I love where she flips it. Flips it. <laughs> she brings it full circle. And now I know why all the trees change in the fall. I know you were on my side even when I was wrong. And I love you for giving me your eyes and staying, for staying back and watching me shine. I didn't know if you knew. So I'm taking this chance to say that I had the best day with you today. That makes me want to cry. <laughs> I know. I really love the for staying back and watching me shine because they did support yeah, her. They just and they didn't get in her way. And I they mean, up and moved. Yeah. Like we've talked about. I mean, you have to have a lot of privilege to be able to do that. But. Right. Well, yes, they did. They had money. I know you were on my side even when I was wrong as the realization of an older person looking back on growing up and realizing everything that your parents did for you. Yeah, for Which- sure. And realizing how like petty and st- stupid how you those fights are in the grand scheme of things now but you still and the adults knowing how petty and stupid they are but her mom's still saying like oh i'm i'm so sorry you had a hard day let's go take you out and not making you feel like silly and dumb for feeling that way even though for her mom it's far removed like we've talked about well exactly and that's memories and i think that that's that's one of the things that's you know like it's really good of her and i hope that i can i can do that as a mother is like remember like i i know now because i'm you know older than my kids and have gone through all of this before i know that it's just going to be a blip like these little fights that you have with your friends or they're fleeting they're not going to last forever and you're going to probably not be friends with that person in 10 years but remembering that it's it means everything to you to the kid in that moment and not belittling them for feeling that right. way I do think that my mom did a pretty good job at doing that stuff. Like, I remember a birthday party where this girl was really mean to me and she, like, was there for me and was like, that's not okay or, like, different stuff like that where she would stand up for me and I maybe was wrong, you know? And I also love that she just straight out, straight up says, I didn't know if you knew, so I'm taking this chance to say. That was not a good segue in between those two thoughts, but... <laughs> no, I know it wasn't. <laughs> but that's okay. No, it wasn't. I do, I do, uh, I do like that she does say that now. Like, I'm taking this time to thank you for being that good of a mother to me. She's just staring blankly at the page. <laughs> no, I'm cutting this out. She is editing this out. Should we uh, just rate the song? Uh, she is still thinking. Oh, I was going to say that this is my mom's favorite Taylor Swift song. I don't think my mom's ever listened to this Taylor Swift song. And the reason I feel so okay talking about this is because I know she's not listening to my podcast either. <laughs> uh, really? I thought you said she was at one point. She listened to the first episode because she was like, oh, yeah, I'm listening. But I know for a fact that none of my family still listen. <laughs> I'm not even sure if my mom knows, actually. And I texted my dad about it. And he listened to like the first few minutes of the intro. And he was like, sounds interesting. And then yeah, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> You'll probably never it's, listen I to mean, it. I mean, I only have a handful of friends that I, I think are still listening to. 
Yeah, I, but shout out on. to all the people that are not my friends that are listening. <laughs> That's I kind of prefer it that way. Me too. You know, like I'd rather it be people that we don't know in real life. Yeah, because then, you know, you're learning more about us as opposed to our friends that already know this shit about us. Yeah, or who care a lot less about Taylor Swift, right? right. Like, don't give a shit. We There's only a certain amount of friends, like we've said before, that you can really... Like text as soon as you have like a random thought about Taylor Swift. Exactly. And it's okay. It's not like you're a psycho. Oh, right. Well, yeah, now we can rate the song. What did you give it? 83 pink coats. Oh, nice. We do not have the same score or... Uh, word this time i gave it 95 out of 100 pumpkin patches lovely moving on i mean if it's my it should be a 95 right if it's my number four song yeah for sure i mean it should probably be like a 98 if it's your number four but yeah we all know that your ratings are shit (laughs) (laughs) fuck you (laughs) okay so the next one is change. We always love the the yeah, random loopy. singing. Honestly, it's kind of hard to like when we record multiple episodes in a day. It is. We get it, a little slap happy. It gets a little tedious. But it, this is a daytime cast as was the last episode. So we have more energy, but we're also because we have more energy kind of like Woo! ready to go swimming. Yeah. Uh, okay. So change. Even though I just ate two Rice Krispie treats and... W- Maltesers. No, what did I have? Mm-hmm. Milk duds. Oh, what the fuck is a Malteser? <laughs> Sounds like my dog. <laughs> He's a Maltese Shih Tzu. That's it's a British candy. Oh, it's like a a malt ball. Oh, okay. So like did a, you have a Whopper? Oh, that, that's what I'm looking for a a Whopper. But no, I had a milk dud. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> so not even. <laughs> Not even the same. That's my Halloween candy that she was eating. You can cut this out. It's a little old. Um, my stomach does hurt though. <laughs> I ate way too much you, candy. You ate like a like multiple rice krispie treats and candy, <laughs> and it's like the middle of the day, so it's not even like I could eat and just go to bed. Yeah, every time you say things, it just makes triggers more Taylor Swift songs. Like you said, middle of the day, and I want to be like in the middle of the night. Yes, <laughs> that's how my brain works. Okay, we're actually going to talk about change. It's the fifteenth track on taylor's sophomore album yeah but obviously it's also the 15th track on her uh taylor's version album yeah okay for some reason i was thinking it was 13 but it's not maybe that was uh the best day is track 13 yeah okay yeah at age 16 she was signed to the emerging big machine records which was the smallest record label in nashville she changed that for them didn't she there were only about a dozen employees. Do you like, do you like all these side comments? I, I, I might as well read it and just let you do the side comments because you don't know which one is actual fact that you're reading and which one is just commentary. <laughs> which part? Okay. I'll, I'll refrain. And she was the only artist. Despite the unprom- unpromising situation, she trusted that the label would eventually rise. After writing the beginning of it, she let the track rest for a while, waiting for a significant moment in her life that could conclude it. That moment came in 2007 when she won the Horizon Award at the CMAs. After looking out at the audience, seeing her manager, Scott Bruschetta, crying, she felt like she could finally finish the song and did so the following day. And she said, that's when I finished it because I knew I couldn't finish it until something like that happened. It was absolutely the most amazing night of my life getting to see the emotion of all the people who worked so hard for me. Swift told AOL Music. 
AOL. I wrote the song Change as an underdog story. It's kind of a it's kind of crazy to think that the Olympics chose this as one of the songs to play during the Olympic Games. That blew my mind because what I actually wrote this song about was being on a small record label. When you're at a record label that had 12 employees, you have to work harder to get on major tours. You have to work harder to get presenter slots or performer slots on award shows. There was this moment where I sat there and I was like, when are we going to get a fighting chance? We're the smallest record label in Nashville and we want this really bad. I wrote the beginning to this song and I thought someday things are going to be different. I finished the song the night I won the Horizon Award at the CMA Awards and looked over and saw the president of my tiny little record label crying. I think she meant to say my tiny little man crying. I know, right? Borchetta. It sounds like cheese. Um, Or like bruschetta. (laughs) Or just like bruschetta. (laughs) Bruschetta. How do you say that? We had that at your house one time, right? Yes, we did. That was delicious. The liner note is you made things change for me. So I did want to note this ranked number 57 in my total rankings. Do you know where it was for you? You can look for a second. I have more things to say. Okay, go ahead. Don't worry. I can talk. Uh, So what is interesting to me is that my original connection to this song was I really just liked it. I thought it was a jam and I never skipped it. And I know there were other people who didn't like it as much. And at one point, my CD got a scratch on it on this song. And I was so frustrated because it would cut out like close to the end. So I would only get to get like three fourths of the song in on the CD. It's interesting because we talked about the Obama campaign earlier. And Obama's one of his slogans was hope and change we can believe in. And my original connection, uh, current connection to the song is that this really, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but this song really strikes me as a political song, Mm -hmm. like activism, like fighting for change. And I cannot unhear it that way. Like, well, I I mean, but that's essentially what she says that it's about, you know, fighting for something you believe in, putting in the work, putting in the perseverance, like even if it's about her record label, that's still, you know, she picked something that she believed in, which was her music and fought for it. Right. But I think the most interesting thing for me, and I don't know if you were going to touch on this now, is just the different meaning that it takes now on Taylor's version. Yeah. Like, it's like full circle. It's pretty amazing. She's sitting here saying that she wrote this song about this her tiny record label that she was with from, I think, 2004 to 2018. And then now she is re-recording because of that record label owning her masters and selling it and now she is making things change for herself yet again and for other artists and for other artists and she is the music industry she started out like trying to be in it and now she is it yeah so you can hear like i think the coolest thing is that you can hear the differences in change but the passion is still the same despite the fact that she's in she's singing about two different situations yeah like i think that when she released it's more layered when she released the album her tweet uh the fearless version she's her tweet said it was the night things changed introducing fearless taylor's version now streaming yeah it's the night things changed she's taking back her music Ugh, that's gonna make me cry yeah i cried so much that night i i didn't (laughs) i was asleep (laughs) (laughs) just all the nostalgia of if you haven't noticed i I'm obsessed with Taylor in a completely different way than Aaron is obsessed with Taylor. That sounded really demeaning. No. Elaborate. (laughs) Make that better. 
Aaron tried to bring me in to the deep interwebs of the Taylor Swift fandom by introducing me Taylor to these first. introducing me to these theories and reading into all these Easter eggs. And I just before that didn't scrape it. I just like was on the surface and just loved Taylor for all of her songs. And I had my own interpretations of them. And that was my fandom. And then she tried to get me in there and I I dipped I dipped my toe in. Mm-hmm. I latched on and mm-hmm. she, I was disappointed. Uh, you have such trust issues. <laughs> like you get burned once. Well, isn't that the saying? Nope. Fool you once. No, shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on. No, other way around. I'm really bad at those expressions. <laughs> fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. I will not be fooled again. That's funny. My friends and I, my best friends and I, I just went home for my birthday and we got to go out and we have a little cheers that we say that that just reminded me of that when we take a shot, we say, cheers to you, cheers to me, fuck you, cheers to me. That's nice. (laughs) It just made me think of that when you said it. Talk about a tangent. So anyways, I love the fact that this song while not changing any of the lyrics, took on a completely different meaning in 2008 versus 2021. That's the beauty of the re-records. So what did you think about the music video? Because you had never seen it until I just showed you. No, I hadn't. I have to say that the dress that she was wearing in that music video reminded me of something that my middle sister wore all the time. She was like the, she was the like, um, the fashionable person in our family. She would wear skirts over jeans like she is this had Casey no now Casey is Casey's more, the youngest Casey's the youngest and she's more fashionable because she is in like she works for E um and so she's like dealing with fashion and entertainment all day long and I would say argue that Macon is probably the least fashionable of us all now but at the time she would just like what she wore was pers- personified her she cared so much about like the uniqueness of what she would put on and that right. kind of, that dress that taylor was wearing at that music video was something that she would wear over like jeans like she just had this like unique fashion and she, i can't count a number of fingers or uh, i see i always mess up these expressions <laughs> i can't count on my how many fingers do you have <laughs> i can't count like what's the ex- what's that expression I can't, I can't count on one hand. Yes. There's no fingers. <laughs> I <in> know. <laughs> I can't count on one hand how many dresses she had that looked like that. I'm just going to say, I always say six de- six eggs, half dozen the other. Because yeah. I, and David's like, <laughs> there's nothing about eggs. That is not an expression. It's half, like, what's the expression? Something like. I thought it was six eggs, half a dozen of the other. It means same, same difference. Same y- thing. Yeah, but I think it's supposed to be just. Six it's half a dozen of the other. Thing. Yeah. Oh no, but no, he's wrong. In the South, where we live, the expression is six eggs, half a dozen of the other. People say that. Okay. Victoria says that. Okay. Debbie says that. Okay. Good. And they're you know Eastern or like, I guess Western Virginia. I don't. I have to flip it backwards because for me it's Eastern Kentucky culture, but for them it's no. So the idiom is six of one, half a dozen of the other. But it's eggs here. Yeah, you didn't okay. make that up. Okay, good. You can go home and tell him. I did not make that up. Confirmation. We'll ask if you want. I'll get friends to confirm. Okay. I'm on your side. We need a poll. <laughs> but yeah. I am really bad at idioms. Right? Tweet at us if you also are somewhere in the South and use that expression. Moving on. <laughs> and it's a sad picture. The fi- final blow hits you. Somebody else gets what you wanted again. And you know it's all the same. Another time and place. Repeating history. And you're sick of it. But I believe in whatever you do. And I'll do anything to see it through. 
I mean, honestly, I feel like this is a stronger political song than Only the Young. Oh, for sure. Like, this is exactly it. The final blow hits you. You've lost. You've lost the election. You've lost the law. Like, it's whatever. It's a sad happened. picture. Somebody else gets what you wanted again. They have got the the right, the privilege, the whatever you want to call it. And it's repeating history. Repeating and, history. And you're just getting sick of it because it's just politics after politics after politics. Yeah. But I believe in whatever you do, like you have to have that strength together as a team, which ugh, this song has pretty much always been strong for me for that. I love the ones that are not just... I, I tend to always like the songs more that aren't about the love stories, which I do love anything about love and relationships, but like Mirrorball, This Is Me Trying, like any of the childhood ones, anything seven. about seven, anything about innocent, especially the underdog stuff really gets me like mean, you know, that's such yeah. a good song. Okay. So anyways, because these things will change. Can you feel it now? These walls that they put up to hold us back will fall down. This revolution, the time will come for us to finally win. And we'll sing hallelujah. We'll sing hallelujah. It's very biblical because the walls they put up, it makes me think of Jericho. Mm. You know, with the, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, like they walked around whatever place that was. <laughs> biblical memories <laughs> fading. I'm not able not to help here. Reading it regularly anymore. Um, they walked around, I think it was like seven days or something like that. And they blew the trumpet for the walls to come down. <sighs> People who actually know this biblical history are probably like, that's not it. <laughs> Shut how about, up. How about even more so in history about like the Berlin Wall and the revolution Ooh. that came with that tearing being torn down? Yeah, I love that. I love that connection. I mean, revolution, you could pin this song probably to a number of different things. For sure. Activism. Repeating history. But I do like that she says, can you feel it now? And then later she says, can you see it now? So she kind of changes the word that she's using. Well, and it makes sense with when she was originally writing it was because she was waiting for something to actually change before she could finish it. I think that's so interesting because a lot of her songs really she writes them pretty quickly. Yeah, like in five minutes. <laughs> like 22, she said she wrote in like 30 minutes on a flight. Yeah, what the heck? That's such a big hit. I know. Or like red songs like that. She just whips them out and then they end up being this big hit. But this one, it's really interesting that she sat on it for years because then it does make it more beautiful that it comes back. Yeah. So we've been outnumbered, raided, and now cornered. It's hard to fight when the fight ain't fair. We're going stronger now. Find things they never found. They might be bigger, but we're faster and never scared. You can walk away, say we don't need this, but there's something in your eyes that says we can beat this. Yeah, so um, we've, so we've been outnumbered. Rated, I originally heard as rated. Oh, interesting. Which still makes sense but mm -hmm. rated makes a bit more sense because it's like they've taken things from you they've taken the values the important things from us and it's hard to fight when the fight ain't fair Re this makes me really think of miss americana and the heartbreak prince yeah well it also makes me just fit a, think about the state of fucking america <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> America. i mean like the population we're fighting up against a bunch of billionaires it's not fair yeah, and the 
oh my gosh, yeah, NRA funds, like, majority of those laws that get passed. It's literally written on the top of the law. NRA has funded it. Yeah. And no one has a problem with it. <laughs> well, people do, but, you know. But the fight ain't fair. Um, We're getting stronger now. Found things they never found. At this, so this is my favorite line. They might be bigger, but we're faster and never scared. Because it's like... They have skills, but we have different skills. So my favorite line is the one before. We're getting stronger now. Find things they never found. Because they're, because we're latching on to the beauty and the originality of people and using everyone's strengths together. And instead, everyone else is just using the same old um, drawing board. And right. th- we're getting stronger because we're capitalizing on the differences as opposed to what always has worked. And... They might be bigger. It's like fear mongering. And and literally just they seem bigger with their words and the things that they're throwing at you. But it's just fear tactics. And you can walk away, say, we don't need this. That's just (laughs) when you have pure despair because you're so tired and you need that encouragement of the other person to turn to you and say, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah. And there's something in your eyes that's not giving up yet. I feel like this is the precursor to Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Yeah, I'm really surprised that she didn't have this play during that during that documentary. Yeah, it. Gosh, this song is beautiful. But Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, I love for its like in depth layers and metaphors. But it also has the love story of that person that you're coming to as your safety in that. Yeah. So it's different. Whereas this one is more of a team aspect. Yeah, like the love isn't there. I mean, right the. The like romantic love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, because these things will change. Can you feel it now? These walls that they put up to hold us back will fall down. Okay, we've read all that. For us to finally win. Oh, we already read all that. So here's the bridge. Tonight we stand, get off our knees, fight for what we've worked for all these years. And the battle was long. It's the fight of our lives. But we'll stand up champions tonight. I will say that this song, like during election season, made me cry. Only during election season? Yeah, I mean, I think it could still make me cry. I think it just, like, fight for what we've worked for all these years. And here I am saying that, and it's like, really, I've been involved in politics since, like, <laughs> mildly in 2016, not really until 2018. So it does. it's not com- comparable to, you know, people who've been out there fighting for years and years and years. And I feel like there's things that... I heard as a kid that didn't really like make sense to me until I started working more in it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's how that played out. And this has just been happening over and over. (sighs) It's the fight of our lives. I mean, it is. It's the fight for our lives. Morgan, are you taking a nap? (laughs) (laughs) Am I boring you to death? No, my legs are really cramped. From exercising? No, from the way I have to sit to talk into this pillow. It's not a pillow. It's a sound shield. (laughs) I'm sorry. You do have long legs. Yeah. Mm, So sorry. I thought it might be from all those burpees. No, (laughs) they didn't help. So then it just flips to it was the night things changed. This is the part she finished. Can you see it now? And this is the big flip. These walls that they put up to hold us back fell down. It's a revolution. Throw your hands up. Because we never gave in. And we sang hallelujah. So yeah, there it comes full circle. What was your rating? 85 out of 100 revolutions. Fuck.
fucking hell. Mine was 82 revolutions. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Um, We've only had one in the past four that we didn't choose the same noun. Okay. Um, 85 out of 100 champions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you like that better? Yeah, because it's not mine. Oh, did we already go through two songs? We did. So it's now Taylor Trivia. Taylor Trivia. Not really. We're supposed to do Tell Me Why and Theories first. Oh, sorry. Yep. Go ahead. You have theories. I do. So let me get to it. Those theories that I hate. So Taylor set up Taylor's version calendar Easter egg for us in the man music video. Have I talked about this yet? No. Okay. So if you know in the music video where she's pissing on the wall in the metro yes okay very slow to it first things first the calendar i believe it's split into three years by the squares going across then you can follow the years months by counting the squares downward so if you look at it and this account is called taze champagne t-a-t-a-y-s-s champagne taze champagne and they took it from someone on Twitter, I think, Peter. But is this anyways, on Instagram or is this, this is on Instagram? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so the left side where it has the poster of Miss Mr. Americana or where, whatever it is with the, you know, for the movie, the documentary, the side on the left hand side, 1989 and reputation are 2022. The middle is 2023. And on that one, you have. Uh, debut, I think is the only one. And then on tw- in 2021, you have Fearless, Red, and Speak Now. And so you can look at that. It makes a lot more sense if you look at the image. Can I please see the image? Yeah. You can keep talking. Well, it's kind of hard to explain without reading that. But basically, like the top part of it where it says Fearless, if you can look, if you number it all the way down from like one to 10, it's months out of the year. And it tracks with when Fearless was released, when Red will be released, which is confirmed to be November, and then Speak Now would be after that in 2021. So then... This is bullshit. I I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. I don't know. Because then we know Reputation can't be released for a while, right? Because it has to have that five years from when it was originally recorded. So it makes sense that Reputation would be 2023. And then, or 2022, and then 1989, uh, we know she has it ready, but then maybe she would do it in the summer. Do we know she has it ready? Well, we already heard the Wildest Dreams re-recording. We heard portions of it. So why wouldn't she have finished the whole song? Well, maybe she only finished that song, though. Okay, Miss Contradictory, maybe you are an eight on the Enneagram. (laughs) 2023 would just be debut, I guess, is the last one, which a lot of people have said they do think will be her last one. But if you all want to see more about that, because it's kind of complicated to explain with the numbers and the boxes, like when you're not looking at it. It's also very complicated to understand when you're looking at it. <laughs> it that is Taze Champagne on Instagram. You can find that post. Alrighty then. Are we ready for Taylor? trivia? <laughs> Taylor's trivia. Oh, I just did that English accent again. You know, I always forget about that when I'm around your husband and I'll accidentally start talking in a British accent and then I'm really embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I used to do it to my roommate in France because his mom is English, but he was born and raised in France. 
but he spoke English in the home. And I would always do a British accent because I just do that when I'm being silly. And he'd be like, Erin, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) What is Taylor Swift's favorite color? Red, blue, purple, black. Red. Uh, I'm going to guess this one. (gasps) Purple. Purple. Uh, that was my second guess. Although her album is titled Red, <laughs> Taylor revealed on the Ellen DeGeneres show that her favorite color is actually purple. Okay. Taylor's first broadcast performance of Tim McGraw was on what show? The Megan Mullally Show, Saturday Night Live, America's Got Talent, or Good Morning America? Can you reread the options? The Megan Mullally Show, Saturday Night Live, America's Got Talent, Good Morning America. I got it right. Damn it. Okay. Ooh. Good morning, America. Yay! She loves Good Morning America. That's why I guess that. How tall is Taylor Swift? 5'10, 5'6, 6 foot, 5'2. 5'10. Correct. Mm-hmm. I heard that she was 5'11, but I guess I was wrong. Maybe she's 5'10 and a half. I'm 5'2 and a half. I'm five nine and a half. You're almost the same height as Taylor. Who did Taylor write We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together about? Joe Jonas, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tom Hiddleston, John Mayer. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. Jake- uh, well, I don't get the ding. You get the ding? Yep. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Thank you. That's so satisfying. Oh, wait. <laughs> Why'd you do it again? Because I need to read. Jake Gyllenhaal reportedly spent $160,000 to have Taylor flown over on a private jet for a date. He later broke up with her through a text message. So that concludes our Taylor trivia. Now we're going on to plugs or we'll write your name. Always singing. (laughs) You can buy us our buy us a coffee thing so that you can buy us a whiskey on ice is linked in the episode description and you can support our show that way even if it's just like a dollar or two and just a reminder our fearless feature was the NAACP Legal Defense Fund if you'd like to donate to them we'd appreciate that and you can rate and review our show we prefer that you do that on Apple Podcasts and download the episodes and subscribe Do you, you want to do the social media? Well, what are we subscribing to? Uh, oh, just like on the podcast, oh. you know. And you can... Spotify or whatever. Oh, and subscribe, yes. And you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's Swifterhood Podcast. On Twitter, it's Swifterhood P. Sorry, on Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> it's Swifterhood Podcast. And Twitter is Swifterhood P. And please email us at swifterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Which so far, guess how many emails we have received? How many? Well, I mean, total, like three, but <laughs> uh, how many people? One. Oh. Yeah. Well, please email us. So thanks for writing in. It's really exciting because most of our emails on there are from like our subscription for our pod hosting website or like other podcast, you know, little trainings or things I do. And so it's very exciting to get an email from a real person. So we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up. Yeah, we do hear from people on Instagram and Twitter, though. 
But you know, you're always on there. You're always on the Instagram and the Twitter, aren't you, Morgan? No, I'm never on it. <laughs> I thought she was being serious. And I was like, no, no. I'm being a contrarian shit. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.